the podcast on Scripture and Reason, discussing life and Jesus' church in our age. Well, I wish I could say that I coined this phrase, and I just heard it the other day. It might have been MacArthur. I'll give it to you. Uh, I don't want John MacArthur calling me and saying God's the guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, he but just yeah. keeps calling all the time right. anyway. You yeah, know, hey, right. can you help me with this yeah, sermon you know, study? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any content. We are going to talk about the transmission of Scripture. Sounds like a pretty in-depth subject. Yeah, that's right. So, um, truth be told to anybody who is uh, who's listening here today, this is the third time that we've recorded this uh, this topic. Uh, that is a true statement. Truer statements might have been said. Maybe. Maybe. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, we're trying to uh, cover it in a easily understandable, digestible manner, understanding that we're not going to touch on all the details or nuances that are there, but just a... 10,000-foot view of transmission of Scripture, or maybe a 1,000-foot view of transmission of Scripture. Yeah, and and in all fairness, I think we started this by talking about several topics at one time, and we decided to kind of distill it down, talk about transmission first, um, and then uh, the reliability, the overall reliability of the text. Correct. So we'll see where we go today. But anyway, let's uh, let's jump straight into the transmission of Scripture. Let's Let's talk specifically about the Old Testament. Yeah, that'd be great. A uh, little aside here, we know that we talk uh, in with this podcast of Scripture and Reason. Uh, there'll be more with regard to less Scripture in this just because we are talking about uh, less Scripture than we normally have sure. with regard to that, just to let people know. But the Old Testament, you know, what is the Old Testament? Uh, you know, what do we see there? The, the, uh, uh, the 39 books of the Old Testament, how do we get it? So... We understand that with all those books, those 39 books that are included in the Old Testament, uh, we do not have the original autographs of those books. In other words, we don't have the first writings of any of those books available to us. Right. Uh, We have the copies of those original writings, although we don't know the distance uh, of the copy from the original text that we have. Something that is just, you know, you know, lost the time, or I should say that perhaps we can even say this, that in God's pure purview, it was not necessary that we have that. Yeah, and, and actually I was reading um, a really great little blog post by someone I've never read before, Eric Lyons, okay. on Apologetics Press. Okay. Actually, I think also a site I'd never been to before. Um, but in any event, I just want to give credit where credit is due. He had a very interesting... Um, example of this that I thought was, uh, that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, and, and I'm actually just going to read it real quick. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. It says this, a gentleman left a large estate entailed. Is that a word? Yes. Okay. Uh, entailed to his descendants of the third generation. And it was not to be divided until a majority of them should be of age during the interval. Many copies of the will were circulated among the parties, many of these being copies of copies. In the meantime, the office of record in which the original was filed was burned with all of its contents. When the time for division drew near, a prying attorney gave out among the heirs the report that no two existing copies were alike. This alarmed them all, 
and set them busily to work to ascertain the truth of the report. On comparing the copy with copies, they found the report true, but on close inspection, it was discovered that the differences consisted in errors in spelling or grammatical construction, some mistakes in figures corrected by the written numbers, and some other differences not easily accounted for. But that in none of the copies did these mistakes affect the rights of the heirs. In the essential matters for which the will was written, the representations of all of the copies were precisely the same. The result was that they divided the estate with perfect satisfaction to all, and that they were more than certain they had executed the will of their grandfather in the original copy, had, and that the original copy had alone preserved. For it might have been tampered with in the interest of a single heir, but the copies, defective though they were, could not have been. Oh, that's excellent. And that fits both for Old and New Testament. I really like that example. I do uh, too. We do recognize with regard to the Old Testament, uh, uh, the particulars of oral transmission of the document, which we do not have in the Hellenistic Greek. Uh, not the same, or certainly not, you know, the Hellenistic Greek uh, uh, was certainly more uh, more part of a written tradition that it came from, uh, not like the Hebrew. So there is this oral uh, tradition of, of transmission of the text, but we need to understand that both the oral and written forms of that material, of those original, uh, those original documents, were being transmitted at the same time. That, these, that it wasn't an oral tradition only, and then the written came after it, but the evidence would indicate that there was both oral and written that were, that were occurring at the same time. So we, we have these written autographs that, we have these written autographs uh, fully inspired by God uh, that we find in, uh, in Paul's writing to Timothy. Right, that is fully uh, that is fully uh, uh, sufficient for instruction and reproof and rebuking and whatnot. The scripture that we have there, and we have these copies now that are there. So, how do we know these copies that we have? These copies of, of what we we find in our, our the the thirty nine books of the Old Testament that we have that they are accurate. You know, uh, back to your point with regard to the. Uh, to the, to the regard to the will or the inheritance that went there. So we know that that at in the fifth uh, fifth through the third centuries BC, right? We go backwards, we go from higher to lower in the BC, right? So in the fifth to the third centuries BC, the Jewish scholar, uh, scholars that were known as Sopharim, literally it means scribes, worked to preserve the Hebrew text and to standardize it. Right? They worked in that time period to standardize that text. Okay? Then after that, there is a then at the same time there's an oral tradition with the text of the Hebrews, right? So the the Masoretes or uh, the Masoret uh, tradition of uh, preserving the text that came after that that came after that period of time, right? Up until about 1000 AD or so, or 1020 AD or so, the Masoretes, Masera meaning the oral tradition, right? So the Masoretes were taking that text, right, that the scribes had written down, that they had looked to standardize, standardize and preserve, and then the Masoretes uh, worked, or Masoretes worked to preserve the oral tradition, in other words, the pronunciation of that text, right? So if you were to look at Hebrew script, Hebrew writing 
from the original scribes in the, wow. the 5th and 3rd centuries, right, you would find a text that had no uh, vowel markers or little, little marks that were underneath it. What you find with the Masoretes is that they added those vowel markers to, to, uh, to enable the pronunciation of the text, okay? That they, they added those so that the, the, that the pronunciation of the Hebrew text would, be, uh, would, uh, would survive, right? They primarily lived, you know, uh, you know somewhere in, the, uh, uh, in Tiberias on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee, uh, somewhere between 500 A.D. and 1,000, 1,020 A.D. is when they lived. Uh, in the most, uh, in you, if you look deeper into this, you'd find the, mo the, the most learned of those scholars is part of what would be referred to as the Ben Asher family, uh, of which we get the, or the Ben Asher text is what's referred to, which is what we get out of the, what's referred to as the Leningrad Codex. It's our most complete copy of the Old Testament. You know, so they, the, the Masoretes, de, uh, they determined not only to have the, the vowel markers in it so it could be pronounced, right? Because it was all in consonants, right? To be pronounced. But they also wanted to make sure that it was accurate and, and correct so that future generations would have it uh, and, and would be protect, protected against copyist errors and alterations. And to do so, what they do is they have the side margins. When you look at their work, are filled with all sorts of data concerning how often various words were used and phrases and given line or found elsewhere. Everything was counted, right? So that they knew the exact counts of the numbers and the sentences and whatnot that are there. Uh, so that's one level of that transmission of the Old Testament document or the Old Testament record that we have. And this is really high, high, high level. I mean, you could spend a lifetime studying this. But the interesting thing is, so we have this, these, this Ben Asher uh, text of the Masoretes, right? The, from the Ben Asher family, right? And the Dead Sea Scrolls are discovered that date back to a thousand years or more before their text. And what do we find when we compare them? That they're almost identical. Yeah, I think that um, the Dead Sea Scrolls are like 100 AD to 100 BC. Oh, you, yes. Yeah, frames, I think right? that, yeah, yeah, accurately enough. Uh, a little aside on the Dead Sea Scrolls, let's, they're not all, not all the Dead Sea Scrolls are religious documents, right? We have, we have shopping lists, we have all sorts of stuff that are in there, but we do have a great repository of, uh, of, of Old Testament documents. And then when they compare those to, when they, when, when they compare those to, to that Masoretic text, the Masoretic text, what we find is, wow, this, this has been accurately preserved, right? And then you jump back, I don't know, somewhere, I think it's uh, the, uh, uh, it's the, uh, the, the Ketef, Ketef Hinnaman, which is an amulet that was found in, uh, in Israel that dates back to about 600 BC. And I believe it's a copy, it's either a copy of some text of, uh, it's a very small amulet that they opened up. It's in silver is what it was, it was in metal. And when they open it up, when they, it took them 10 years to figure out how to open it. Right when they open it up, what they find it's either the text of Deuteronomy or Numbers that is in it, and when they compare that text to what they have in the in the Dead Sea Scrolls to what they have in the Masoretic text, what do they find? They find it's almost a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So we have we can see that that tradition from both the oral preserving the oral tradition and the pronunciation and stuff to preserving the text by the scribes to the Masoretes that we find that that is very accurate moving forward, that we can trust what we're reading is what they read. Right. 
And and the, the, kind of the interesting thing too about what the Masoretes brought to the text is, you know, you 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 have a text that, to your point, had no vowel markers, and so what would happen is there was some oral understanding of what the vowels and letter sounds would be, and the Masoretic approach brought more accuracy to the written version um, yes. of these texts that we would we would find later. It's like a helpful uh, because the, the thing that we don't think about is. You know, you know, we're talking, of course, about the Old Testament now. Um, when we when we get over to talk to the uh, to the New Testament and Koine Greek, Koine Greek didn't exist for that long of a time period. Whereas Correct. the Hebrew language spans vast periods right. of time. Yeah, part of that uh, uh, ancient Near East Near East language, you know, system that is there into it. Very fascinating when you study it. Uh, but even more fascinating is how the God's word has been preserved. Right through centuries, mm-hmm. thousands of years that it's been preserved, and we can look at it and we can say, when we look at this text, even in our translation, that 1900 years ago people were reading the same words that we were reading, right? That you know, and it's just amazing when you see that, when you see God's superintendence of the scripture, because the written word is his primary means to communicate with us, yeah. And, and and you know just to um, put a bow on this issue of uh, vowels because yes. I, I think that can sound okay. Well, that's an interesting fact, but what, what does that have to do with anything? Um, I think of the uh, philosopher Austin Powers, <laughs> who said yep. you're putting the wrong syllable, the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable, right? So th- that's the importance of syllables. It's the difference of let's say, for example, I'm writing you a letter and i want to tell you that i've slipped on the floor it would be effectively that i wrote i uh, what 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 did i do to the floor i slp well did i slip or slap i, I right. don't know i have to kind of understand what's going on and so the Masoretes brought a, a just kind of a deeper level of understanding and transmission to the text and the, here's the beautiful part about it is is that so they would see things in the text that to your point the slip or slap they might read in the text that they that it says slap, right? And they know it should be slip, but they don't change it in the text, okay? They copy it exactly as it is, and then they put a note off to the side, right? And the very detailed notes about these things that they found so that they, so that the text is so preserved for us that we can see, we can see the copyist errors. We can see those things and study them with regard to, in, in regard to textual criticism, and, and those sort of things. So we can be assured uh, that, that we're reading what they read, what they had that was tra- that was passed on to them, including the potential copyist errors. And like your, des- like your description with regard to the, to the errors, uh, to the fortune, that we can actually, we can understand and see the correct text that's there. Yeah. Yes. And, and that example of the fortune is, is, you know, true to form with what uh, textual criticism, a helpful textual criticism does is it isolates those variances, right? I mean, we're, we're not talking about a purposeful corruption. And, and if we were, certainly we're in a better place with all of the copies of copies that we have to identify and find those um, than if we had the autographs themselves and the autographs alone. And the interesting thing is, is that uh, is that when we look at our when we look at our English translations that we have, right? You can go throughout the Old Testament and you'll see notes at the bottom that will talk about the talk about things like, yeah, we don't understand what this word is. We're not sure what this meaning is. And some 
in some manuscripts it says this you know it is there's no hidden information that, that's out there there's no there's no re- repository of oh this is the more true text mm-hmm. what we have in front of us is we have it with those uh with those those the those differences marked out for us, you know, so we can see and we can understand ourselves. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you made reference to the Dead Sea Scrolls that this is in the 1940s. Um, 50s. Was it the 50s? Yeah, I believe it was the early 50s. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it, so, it, it, you know, fairly recent find. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I know it's, you know, nearly 2020, but still that's fairly recent. Um so, you know, the interesting um, thing there is, to your point, you know, you pull those up and you make the comparison, right? These have been underground. And so uh, were there some covert operation to corrupt the scriptures? Certainly now when we pull these um, you know, lost to history documents up out of the ground, we will find those errors. And we just don't find much difference. Now, through a process of textual criticism, maybe you can find some I think uh, Psalm 145 was one of the examples that, uh, you know, there's a difference and we find a missing verse that the Masoretic text did not have. And so uh, we're able to understand that, you know, these documents are are perhaps older and that mm-hmm. is maybe a more accurate reading. And so really the the, the quality of, of what we have is already very high. And um, through a process of textual criticism, um, folks are able to help in making sure that the uh, preservation of scripture is a, a documented process right. as well. Right. Um, so you, you can trace back and see exactly how you got the text that, that you have today. Yeah. It's truly amazing when you, when you think about that, that these, uh, that these men uh, were so uh, uh, precise uh, about what they did. It, having seen some of the old, handwritten handwritten copies i mean if you're looking at them from five or six feet away it actually looks like it's done by a machine but it's handwritten yeah they're just perfect the letters are perfect i mean they're perfect they're all the same height they're all i mean it's just amazing when you see it the the amount the level of care that went into uh into the preservation of the of these scriptures and again i can only say that it it has to be superintended by god uh, to 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 see that it survives through the thousands of years to to what what we have today. Yeah, and I think you know it, we live in a world where it's um, maybe easier to preserve and track back, and so we assume in a world where it wasn't that easy, then it wasn't possible, and that's just preposterous, right? I mean, of course, people could be cautious and have certain approaches to the way that you do copying. And I'm talking specifically Old Testament, right? You have Correct. people who are professional scribes yep. who are paid to do this task, who yep. have specific approaches, um, who have ways of dealing with errors. You know, maybe they'll destroy a document, et cetera. Um, so um, to, to think that something could not be accurately passed down because it was copies and copies of copies is just simply not right. Right. Uh, I mean, we, we tend to take our 20, 20th and 21st century uh, mimeograph copy machine attitude to this. Uh, that, that's the only way we can get accuracy, and that's just not true throughout history. Right. I've you know? never had anybody actually as fascinated as I am with um, um, with uh, what are they? Uh, conspiracy theories. Right. I've never heard anyone say, well, you know, certainly we can't know who Abraham Lincoln is because we just, you know, all we have is the written written record. Right, exactly. Name your figure in history. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, you know, uh, you know, Cromwell, Caesar, 
you know, whatever. Alexander, which, of course, when we talk about the uh, the New Testament, we can touch a little bit on uh, on, the, on Alexander and the uh, on the uh, Koine Greek uh, that comes in with regard to that. But yeah, you're right. There is nobody that that doubts that because we have a written we have written documents that that, that attest to these people that attest to what happened. Why don't we, we'll wrap this, we'll wrap up the conversation with Old Testament. And next time, why, why don't we, why don't we talk, we'll just jump straight in. We'll talk about the New, New Testament um, yeah. copying process, the church to church movement and all those things. Yeah, I think, uh, I think our audience should know that uh, there is a lot of scholarly material that's out there with regard to the, uh, the Hebrew text and you know, to feel free to look at it, uh, look at it themselves, look at the evidence themselves. Don't just take our words for it. You know, be like the Bereans, you know, in, that are mentioned in Acts that uh, that search the scriptures and see uh, to see that it's true. Uh, look, but you can certainly the takeaway here is you can trust your Old Testament that we have the accurate translation thereof that you can trust it when you read it that it is. God's word as transmitted down through the ages. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any content.